There we go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 56 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. It's Jason Martinez, Anthony DeMarco from the fourth period.com. Going to join us in just a moment. Um, I'd say there's quite a few things to discuss. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Lots to talk about. Let me turn my light up a little bit brighter. This doesn't kind of disappear on everybody. <laughs> and uh, tons to talk about. There's uh, obviously a lot of a lot of opinions about what took place yesterday, what's taken place this offseason, and really what took place yesterday for the beginning of free agency just now, what, 25 hours ago. So we're going to get to that with Anthony in just a moment. Uh, let me tell you about Bet Parks because Bet Parks, uh, the new uh, app is fantastic. It's easy to use, simple to use, and more fun to use than ever before and faster to win than ever before. So you got to download the app, same game parlays, player performances, futures, you name it, you can play it on the Bet Parks app. So download the app today and get used to it. Get get navigating on it. Baseball, you can certainly get your action in on tennis, golf. Got a major this weekend uh, over uh, in uh, it, the what the last major of the year, the British Open. So or uh, yeah, so check it out and download all the different uh, different ways to, to get in on the action because it's fantastic. And what you can do is you can use the promo code Jason750, J-A-S-O-N-750, and you can uh, get a risk-free bet up to $750. $750. That's not chump change. That's for new and existing users, too, by the way. Terms and conditions do apply. So, again, Jason750, J-A-S-O-N-750, that is the promo code to use, and download the app. It's going to be fantastic for you. You're going to love it. You're going to love how easy it is to navigate and how easy it is to get in on all the different ways of betting, exact score, same game parlays, live in-game betting. It's all there for you. So check it out. Download the new Bet Parks app today. You need to be present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get right into it. He joins us right now from north of the border where the draft was just uh, a week ago uh, from beautiful Montreal, Quebec. It is Anthony DeMarco. What's up, Ant? Not much, buddy. It's nice to have uh, internet again. Obviously, yeah, we that's... missed you last week because Rogers uh, took a deuce on you, huh? Oh yeah, to put it lightly. Second day of the draft, went to the Bell Center with no cell phone, no internet. Yeah, it was great. Awesome, that's best crazy. day. I couldn't believe it. Like of all the days it had to happen, but uh, yeah, they. Sh- they shit all over me and uh, made it <laughs> tough for me to do my job. Obviously. Uh, ASF tagged in for me, so thank you to Anthony, and uh, I'm back, and uh, not better than ever after yesterday. Yesterday took a bite out of me. <laughs> yeah, I think it took a bite out of a lot of people, myself included. You know, it's weird because this is kind of where I want to start. Obviously, you know, I'd been very vocal about, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, and is that the right move to make at this point in the team's reconstruction or whatever you want to call it, rebuild, aggressive rebuild, retool, recoil, all of those things. And I I fully meant I got caught up in it too, where, you know, I didn't think it was the right thing to do to, to go out and get Gaudreau. But then, you know, you got to get caught up in the excitement of getting a player like Gaudreau. Because, look, I got to sit through every one of those games, all 82 every year. And to watch a player like Gaudreau is fun. It's entertaining. And I was kind of swept up in that part of it. And then not only the fact that they didn't get him, but the way it played out let me, you know, left me very despondent and, you know, very disappointed in the way it played out. And look, I, I think part of what happened here, Ant, is that the Gaudreau agent went into went into play a little bit too and put a lot of things out there. I don't know how much the Flyers were interested. Chuck said they weren't. I don't know that I believe that. And I've said all along. You know, from the moment they mentioned the term aggressive retool, and I think it was Dave Scott who mentioned it first back in January, but it certainly has been regurgitated by many throughout the organization and obviously through the fan base. But I kept saying, pay attention to what they do, not what they say. And their actions yesterday certainly were not aggressive retool. But the problem is, is that they have shown actions of aggressive retool when you look at the buyout of Limblom, the signing of uh, Tony D'Angelo. There were elements of aggressive retool in there that make you go, okay, some of their actions are showing that. But certainly yesterday on free agency day, their actions were not aggressive retool. 
they were stabilization, and that's a big difference. Yeah, there, there's so much shit to unpack here because I said it yesterday, and I'll say it now, is that I think that this is probably what they should have done from the beginning is tread water this summer because even though they wanted to get this thing back on the rails, it was impossible to do so in the summer. You know, I don't believe that they were never interested in Goudreau. I was told several times this week that they really liked Goudreau. They were mm-hmm. trying to move JVR to free up that cap space. But I think that it's so important to say that that wasn't true. Pardon me? There was too much reporting yeah. from you and many credible reporters to say that there was there was none of that, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. I, I just think that sometime over the last 36 to 48 hours, they came to a realization that they were not in a position to give up a draft pick to clear JVR's salary. And according to uh, Elliot Friedman, it was a 2023 first, not the Florida 2024 first that a lot of people assumed it was. And I was told that shortly after noon yesterday, like, we're out on Goudreau. And I put it out there. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought that maybe they were posturing. But I think that by the time free agency opened yesterday, they were out on Johnny Goudreau. And like I said on Twitter you know, we exchanged some text messages. Like, I think that in the grand scheme of things, this was probably the best course of action here. The problem is in all of this is that I don't think that this was by design. I don't think that they went they, like they were in, you know, the war room the last few weeks and said, you know what, we're going to change course. We're just going to stabilize as Chuck Fletcher said, we're not going to lock ourselves into big time contracts like Gaudreau. Because if that was always the plan, why would you give up three draft picks to bring in a Tony D'Angelo? Why would you buy out Oscar Lindblom just to bring in Justin Braun and Nick Delorier? Yeah. And why were you desperately trying to get rid of JVR's contract over the last several days? And all this tells me is that at the 11th hour or close to the 11th hour, they realize like, you know what? We're backed in a corner and we can't get out of it. Now, the ultimate result is something that I'm personally happy with because aside from the fact, like you said, that Gaudreau would come in, be exciting, give people a reason to watch, be arguably the most exciting player we've seen over the last five, six, seven years. I think that in a year from now, in two years from now, we're all going to take a big sigh of relief that we're not locked into another guy who is under contract until he's 35 years old, making $10 million, is a winger, doesn't have a big track record of success in the playoffs, so, I mean, I'm not so mad with the result, but the communication and the way it played out is just inexcusable. Yeah, like we have a message here, uh, a comment from C-Mac. He says, National Media, ESPN+, Plus, The Point, San Filippo, all are calling for the Flyers to fire everyone. Bottom line is Fletcher lied to the fan base, and there is no return for front for front office. None. Um, I'm not sure what the last part means. There is no return. <laughs> I guess they can't come back from this is what he means. Um, Look, I don't know that they lied to anybody. They never say what they're going to do. And it's left up to interpretation to how we interpret what they said they were going to do. And again, it was just a term of aggressive rebuild. So I don't know. That means different things to different people. Like Chuck had tried to say yesterday in his press availability. And to me, this part did not pass the sniff test of, we are being aggressive. This is an aggressive retool uh, with the way that they are, are handling this offseason. And he used the word stabilization. It doesn't look like aggressive retool to me. There's elements of it, like I said, with Tony D'Angelo and Oscar, uh, like we just talked about. But in total, it's not an aggressive retool. But I don't know that there was ever any promise of a regressive retool. Like it, To me, these are just terms. They don't mean shit. Like what a GM says. How many times have we seen a GM give a coach or someone a vote of confidence to fire him days later. Like who gives a shit what they say? It's what they do that matters. React to what they do. And if, if you saw what they did yesterday and what they've done this off season, go back to D'Angelo and you know, the, the not getting to bring it or all of these things. And if you don't like, yeah, absolutely. You have a right to be pissed because the team did, did they move forward a little bit this off season? Maybe a smidge, but they certainly didn't take a leap. And, and that smidge still is predicated on the return of Sean Couturier coming off back surgery. It still is predicated, I think, in part 
partial to to Ryan Ellis and his health. I think there's elements. Right yeah, and and that's one thing that I had not considered. Chuck mentioned this yesterday, and this notion of well, we have Ryan Ellis's cap space to make a deal. Just make the deal and move JVR later. Well, I come to find out I did some digging on this that you can't do that because what it what if Ryan Ellis is healthy and can play? You can't just LTIR him because you thought in July that you could and you could use his cap space because maybe you can't. We don't know. We all think that he's probably not going to be ready to go and not going to be able to play at the beginning of the season, certainly, and maybe through most of it, maybe ever again. Who knows? But this assumption that we can just go LTIR him, make the trade, LTIR him, move JVR later, and still have the proper amount of space is a bit of a leap because we don't know, Pat, if he passes a physical, then he's part of your team. You can't just LTIR a guy because you thought in Ju- in July that he, w- you would, he wasn't going to be available. If you were wrong on that, now you're really screwed. So uh, there, there's elements there too. But, I mean, overall, I mean, like, this, this, I'm trying to wrap my head around this still a day later. Uh, you know, you look at it, why four years for Nick Delarier? I know Chuck said there was an aggressive market for him. What? No, <laughs> I don't buy that. There's not an aggressive market for a player like Nick Delaria where you need to go four years. I don't. I don't get that. Look, if I'm uh, signing for two years. I'm fine. I like you know, the $2 player. Dollars. Yeah, two million dollars. It's not a lot of money, but to me, it's not about the money. It's four years for a 31 year old fourth line player. Look, I, I, in the vacuum, and I said this a lot over the last few days, that in a vacuum, I like some of the guys they brought in. I like some of the moves. And Delore is a guy that I think that is decently defensively. You know, I've spoken to people out in Anaheim. I don't think that, contrary to much belief, I don't think he's a liability every shift. I think that he could help you on the penalty kill. Like, he's a decent mm-hmm. penalty killer. Obviously brings some toughness and intangibles and all that, which they need. And look, 1.75, like, okay, whatever. I mean, once upon a time, they gave Max Talbot a $1.75 million contract for five years, whatever. But the thing is, is that, like, why is it four years yeah. for Nick Delorier until he's 35? And these are the things that it's like reek of desperation. That's the thing here. It's the communication and it's the contradiction here that is the biggest issue. Because when you give Nick Delorier a four-year contract, that tells me that some... And look, I I spoke to people yesterday in hockey ops, and I was told around shortly after noon, we're going to do something. I'm just not sure what we're going to do. So they went in there just like kind of throwing darts at the board blind and just Mm -hmm. trying to hope that something stuck. I'm using several different analogies there, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And... And I think that they were saying like, okay, like we're not going to get a top line winger. We're not going to get a three C. So we're going to try and address the toughness. And this is probably the best guy on the market for it. So we got to make sure we get him. And, you know, like I said, I I like the player. I don't like the contract, even Tony D'Angelo, like the person aside, I don't hate the player. I don't hate giving up three draft picks for him. What I hate is that in a summer that you were preaching aggressive retool, you bring in Tortorello, we're going to make major changes, all this, you collectively have assembled Nick Delorier, Tony D'Angelo, and a returning Justin Braun. Yeah. And I've said this numerous times, is that if you, back in May, had a press conference, or even if it was earlier, maybe it was a week ago, five days ago, whatever, If some point over the last two months you had a press conference or press release and said, look, for this, that, or the other thing, uncertainty around Ellis, you know, cap space is hard to come by. We can't move contracts, this or that. We're going to change course. And people knew right off the bat, kind of like you alluded to, that a guy like Johnny Gaudreau was not going to be in the cards. They weren't in a position to give up draft capital for Alex Dabrinkit. I think this would have been more well-received because, look, Jay, like we talked about it, I think that context aside, the end result of yesterday is probably the best thing that could have happened long-term for this team because you are not tied in to 
any bigger contract with a guy going to 35 years old. The only big contract now that you're tied into is the Sean Couturier one, which the AAV isn't bad, and the Ryan Ellis one where he's either LTIR and if he's playing, that's a more than fair AAV. You know, Kevin Hayes, it's not too, too long. You're going to walk yourself out of the JVR contract next year. Like, it's not terrible long-term. But if you lock yourself into Johnny Gaudreau, then, like, you're locked into this direction and there's almost no way out of it. Yeah. And it was, it's a weird dynamic, right? Because, you know, the, the prospect of Gaudreau is so tantalizing because mm-hmm. he's a local guy that wanted to come here, was willing to be blinded to the fact that the organization in the last two years has been in a bad, bad way. Right. And you have all of these elements and you go, okay, with all of those elements, then we can actually get high end talent at a time when we probably shouldn't be anywhere near high end talent. And you go back to like, go back to when John Tavares went to Toronto, like they got blinded by that Toronto did right. Where they were in a situation where this piece was available. And because he grew up a fan and there he wanted to go and was willing to go. And he did. And and the odd part about it, when Tavares goes to Toronto, he's 28 years old. Tavares or uh, Gaudreau, 28 years old. Their birthdays are about a month apart. August 13th for uh, Gaudreau, September 20th for Tavares. So the age thing is within a month of exactly that. And you pay that big money to bring the guy home, and it's a great story. But I don't know that it's worked out for Toronto, and I don't know that it would have worked out here. So I agree with you that, hey, the end result, and you guys, like everybody knows, like I was kind of really timid about like, hey, be careful on spending $10 million on a 29-year-old winger that doesn't have a lot of playoff success. Like be careful about that, coming off a career year. But I got caught up in the excitement of being able to watch a player like Goudreau night in and night out. And, you know, just the prospect of him wanting to come here. I think that part is really obvious that he wanted to come here. He ends up obviously in Columbus, which is a bit of a head scratcher to a lot of people. But, and the fact that he's not here and you ended up with what you ended up with, you know, you, you can look at it and go, well, one of the reasons he's not here is because they didn't have enough money and they spent $5 million on Tony D'Angelo. Like that, that part's real. Like, and if you're a person that wanted Goudreau here at all costs and, and you look at that and you go, you spent $5 million on Tony D'Angelo, that, which is, which is redundant because he's a second pair D man making basically the same as Ristolainen. He's not top pair caliber. He's too expensive to be a third pair D man. And you brought in a guy for that, obviously in, in Justin Braun. So you're kind of waffled in the middle, even though it's only a two-year term for D'Angelo. But you can look at it and go, you brought Tony D'Angelo in and put yourself in a financial situation where you couldn't bring in Gaudreau. And if you wanted Gaudreau, that can piss you off. And I get totally understand why. I, I can't sit here and tell the fan, hey, you're wrong for being pissed off. Totally get it. Totally get it. And I agree with you. I think that maybe at the end of the day, this is the best route. And if they would have sold this as the word that Chuck used yesterday is stabilization year, because he's right when he says we got to it's like shit or get off the pot time for Morgan Frost. It's shit or get off the pot, pot time for other players. We got to find out what these players are moving forward. We, it is for Owen Tippett. We haven't been around Owen Tippett very long because he was acquired last year, but it's shit or get off the pot time for Owen Tippett. He was drafted in 2017. Something so, like that, yeah. yeah, I mean, so there, there's a lot of that. Like, hey, if you're going to be a legit NHL player and a good NHL player, it's time to do it in the NHL. It's enough of, hey, you were drafted this place. You have a skill set. You got to do it in the league for it to mean anything. So it had to use that that phrasing of stabilization from the get-go. I think we'd be in a different – because our world, I say this all – I'm going on and on, Ant. I got so <laughs> Go much for it, man. But, no, I say this all the time. When I was on the radio doing my daily radio show, I would always say the the key to sports sanity is your expectations. This is something we can control, right? If you expect a ton when you shouldn't 
and they come up short, you're pissed. If you expect something rational and they exceed it, you're excited. So it's all about expectations. But all of these expectations were put in there with little earmarks of aggressive retool and those things being mentioned. So it's not the fans' fault. Had the message been stabilization from the get-go, it would be a different scenario that they're in right now. The problem is, is we're sitting here on the 14th of July, and that wasn't the message. The first time we heard stabilization was yesterday. I agree with stabilization, but I don't agree with it being mentioned yesterday, finally, at, at this juncture. And I understand why people not only are pissed, but they're hurt. The fan base is hurt right now. Yeah, it was a kick in the nuts. But it was a kick in the nuts. And like I said, I agree that with the stabilization, I've been saying for months that I thought that this year you should have had to, you should have just tread water because you're going to walk yourself into more cap space next year. You're going to have a better idea what Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett, these guys are. You're going to give another year for Ivan Provorov to see if he could get his shit back on the rails because eventually you're you're going to have to choose between him and Travis Sanheim. Like you're going to give another year to guys like uh, Tyson Forster, Elliot Denoyer, now Cutter Gauthier. Like I always thought that this was the right way to go. But the thing was is that we were led to believe and the fans were led to believe that they were going in this aggressive retool, which I disagreed with. I mm, never thought that this was too. going to work out well. I was never a huge fan of Johnny Gaudreau. I wasn't a huge fan of Alex Dabrinkit. Every option that I saw this year in a way to try and improve this team and get them back on a competitive basis, I wasn't a huge fan of. I It always came like with a little asterisk. Like, well, Alex Dabrinkit's a hell of a player, but like, do you want to give up that fifth overall pick for a guy who could walk in two years? Johnny Gaudreau is a hell of a player, but do you want to commit $10 million to this guy until he's 36 years old? So I don't mind it, but the problem is, is that there's been so much contradiction between what they've said and their actions. And I don't think that this was them saying one thing and operating in a different way. I truly believe that they wanted to be super aggressive and add this summer but i think that somewhere along the way over the last two weeks or so and it very well could have been yesterday in the morning where they said you know what we can't do this you know because we they were trying to move jvr they bought out oscar limblom and i know that they went back and forth on the limblom thing several times they were considering it when Faraby got hurt they reconsidered okay maybe we'll just keep him in-house replacement and then I think when they saw how hard it was to trade James Van Riemsdyk, they're just like, okay, we need some kind of cap space. This is an easy way to do it. And it came off like that. It was so damn obvious that they really didn't know where they were going. Yeah. And ultimate destination, I think, worked out for the best. I agree. Like, even if Chuck Fletcher is in the GM by 2023, when the calendar flips in January, which I think is a big possibility, you know, I look at it from a business point of view. Like, how the hell are you supposed to sell tickets? How? How? Yeah, like, I've cited that several times. Like, hey, I wouldn't do the Gaudreau thing, but my job's not to sell tickets. You know, like, I say that all the time. Yeah. And like you said, like, it was because there was so much anticipation building up to this Gaudreau thing. Yeah. If you said from the beginning, maybe not say we're not in on Johnny Gaudreau because, like, you don't really want to talk about other players that aren't on your team. But let's say after the draft on Monday or something, you come out and you say, and look, we know like when I was at the draft uh, during Bill Guerin's media scrum, he literally told us, he said, there are 25 teams trying to get cap space right now and they're doing everything in their power to do it. Like that's what the reality of the NHL is. So I am not surprised that teams had Chuck over a barrel and were trying to gouge him to get rid of JVR. I'm you, not you leading up to look how many guys didn't even get qualified as RFAs. Like you yeah. saw, you saw like this is that now the major pinch of the flat cap, the middle class, the RFA guys, tons of them are not even getting qualified. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy, frankly, that the, the amount of players and the guys on those those lists of players that didn't get qualified are are pretty stunning to me. And like even guys like Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubalik, Ilya Samsonov, like not world beaters, but guys where I'm just like, damn, really? Like they're not that old. They have some yeah. form of potential. 
But hey, look, I get it. Like, and I understand that that's the world we're living in. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, blame Chuck Fletcher and burn him at the stake because, you know, you couldn't free up cap space. So many teams are in that boat. What I do blame him for is that you were trying to sell everyone on something that you were quickly realizing was not possible. And in turn, you've completely turned everyone against you. Like even the people that were trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, now it's over. And again, not because of the end result. Because I think that whoever the next general manager is, whether that's Danny Briere, who I'm not 100% sure is the next GM, whether that's like an outside hire of Jason Botterhill or whoever the hell it may be, I think the fact that Johnny Gaudreau isn't here, and I think the fact that Alex Dabrinkit wasn't traded for a fifth-round pick, is a better thing for the next GM. And if you want Chuck Fletcher gone, which I think I would, you know, if I had to handicap it, what would you say, like 60, 40? That he's here by next time by next summer. Um, I don't know. That that all depends on what the results are when the season starts. To me, yeah, you know that that's that's results oriented to me. I mean, if they if they have a step forward under Torts and with the, with what they got, uh, I, maybe they do it. But a lot. But again, a lot of that depends on health. You know, you know, Ash messaged in and said, um, but they gave away uh, draft picks for mediocre players. They didn't give away high draft picks though. Look, you know, when you when you look at draft picks, I calculated this out. What they gave up for Tony D'Angelo was essentially a 12% cumulative chance to make it to the NHL with those three picks because they were second, third, and fourth round picks, right? And that's basically cumulatively 12 to 14% chance of that player making it to the NHL. And for that player to make it to the NHL quickly and be a 50-point player, defenseman, obviously even less likely. So, And that those picks were spread out over three years. Now, you can look at the Ristolainen picks that they gave up and the fact that they didn't trade them away last year. Maybe they could have got, at minimum, a second-round pick, maybe a first-round pick in a trade at the deadline last year. And you extended them instead, all of those things. Yeah, you're at, then the, that's how the picks come into play for me. Um, but trading away picks for Tony D'Angelo and what you traded away. Look, I don't have a problem with the compensation for D'Angelo. I have a problem with the construction when it comes to D'Angelo. And obviously, and the optics of it too. Let's look, like not avoid the optics. Like you buy out Oscar, who's a cancer survivor and an inspirational guy and a character guy. And you bring in a guy that's got character issues in D'Angelo. Even though he didn't have him in Carolina, they still are a pall on his existence in the NHL and probably will be for the remainder of his career, even at 26 or 27, however old he is. So that's part of it too. And, you know, you look at all of these things and, you know, people are pissed off. And that I just, you know, I look at it and I go, you know, I got caught up in the wanting Gaudreau thing too, out of a sheer selfish manner, but the right thing to do is to move forward in that way. And, and you know, the funny thing too, Amp, when it comes to, you know, would would people right now say, okay, we can redo real quick. Sorry, we can go back in time. Would you want them to trade away the 2023 first round pick for Johnny Gaudreau? No. Like if, if they have another season, even with Gaudreau, that's not fantastic and end up in the lottery – you know, but with Bedard and, you know, some hot, insanely high-end talent, would you trade away the 2023 first-round pick for one year remaining on James Van Riemsdyk's contract so you can sign a 29-year-old winger? I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm not trading next year's first-round pick. I could be talked into 2024 because it's Florida's pick, which and is going to be 25 to 32 in the league, right? And you have two. And you don't have Bedard in this great draft class that's been pointed to for a while. But when the price tag became a 2023 first, that's where I got to walk away. There's no way that I can do that. with a If the player is three years remaining on a contract in that situation, say JVR had three years, 21 million left, that's a different story. But on a final year of a deal, no Fucking way am I trading that 2023 first round pick to get rid of a player and salary dump for one year? No way am I doing that.
Yeah, and, and there's a lot of moving parts, right? Because like if you were like the same thing goes for Alex Debrinkit. Like, look, I know that he didn't go for a lot, but would I have wanted the Flyers to give up the fifth overall, a second, and a third for him? Like, I, I don't Is that think risk so. involved. I just, it's because I asked myself, like, what does Alex Dabrinka do for this team? Okay, let's say, and you would have had to trade JVR anyway. And the other thing is, is like a lot of people say, like, well, you shouldn't have traded for Tony D'Angelo and give him $5 million. Take Tony D'Angelo out of it for a second. It's not Tony D'Angelo. Let's say you sign John Klingberg or you sign Josh Manson. You are always going to commit four and a half to five and a half million dollars for defense and to play that role because you don't know what's going on with Ryan Ellis. Yeah. So, like, let's say you traded JVR, and or let's say you got Alex to bring it. Take out the draft compensation it would take to get rid of JVR. You get you have the cap space to momentarily sign to bring it or Giant Gaudreau. Like, but you don't have a defenseman, so now you're gonna have Provorov with Braun again. Like, is that any better? The fact yeah. of the matter is that there was Some no of the parts is not. It, it's not. You were always going to need that right shot defenseman that can play with Provorov. And, like, look, again, character aside, do I think Tony D'Angelo is a bad option considering who else was on the market? Like, probably not. Like, I'd rather him than John Klingberg at this stage. Josh Manson didn't get out of the avalanche, and they probably knew it. If he didn't stay with Colorado, he was going back to Anaheim. Right shot defenseman, who else was on the market? Jan Ruda, maybe. Ilya Labushkin, eh. I'd rather Tony D'Angelo. So I get that, but then you knew that you were going to get Tony D'Angelo, and you were going to have you weren't going to have space to get a Johnny Gaudreau. At yeah. which point, why are you spending assets to bring in a Tony D'Angelo if you're not even going to be good enough anyway? And that's why, like I've said this so many times over the last 12, 24, 36, 48 hours, is that if I look at every move in a vacuum, I don't hate it that Chuck Fletcher has done. In a vacuum, just like Tony D'Angelo for three draft picks, five million dollars to play on the top four uh, in the top four. And those Whatever. three draft picks over three different drafts. Exactly. And like, I'm not a guy to get like very bent out of shape about giving up draft capital because I think people do tend to over exaggerate. But like, look, I, I, I see what they were going for. I said, OK, you're not going to take a chance with Ellis. I look at Nick Delorier. I'm just like, OK, four years, a disaster, but. The AAV, the player, not bad, fine. Justin Braun to play on the third pairing. Okay, whatever. We like Justin Braun. He's good for the third pair. But then you put all those things together, and it's just like, what what the fuck? What is this? And especially under the assumption that this team was supposed to be competitive next year. And like I said, I think that the end result was the best outcome because – whether Gaudreau came here yesterday or not, this team was never going to be anything more than a playoff bubble team. And that's just the fact of the matter. But let's kind me... of been saddled there as yeah. well. And now, you know, the worst nightmare here is, and I heard this from someone, the worst nightmare here, and this isn't rocket science, is that John Tortorella brings them from a bottom five team to a bottom 15 team. And that's possible because let's just say Ryan Ellis is healthy by some grace of God. Is this not a pretty deep blue line? It's too deep. You have to get rid of somebody now. Exactly. Like let's say that, or let's just say you hung on to them because I think that even last year, because it's basically the same blue line, except you have D'Angelo and for Ellis, this is a very deep blue line. If Ellis is there. So if you have a healthy Ellis and let's say you hang on to Tony D'Angelo and you have D'Angelo with York on the third pair as like an all offense and this and that and Carter Hart doing what he does. I think that you could see this team, you know, become, you know, the 10th place team in the Eastern Conference just from strong defensive structure and a deep blue line. So, I mean, that's the bad part about this. Yeah. And if you had brought in Johnny Gaudreau, you would maybe be in that realm slightly better but you would be saddled to that $70 million contract. You'd be without, you know, a 2023 first round pick. I just think the big problem here is, is that what happened yesterday wasn't because of some long-term outlook by and a carefully calculated plan by Chuck Fletcher. He just fell ass backwards into it because he got backed into a corner and couldn't get out of it. And that's the part that is very 
scary about this is that I don't think we know what how you ended up there. Exactly. Like, you know, when you're in when you're doing a math test and they say, just show your work and the, the actual end result isn't what we want. That's kind of the same concept here is that like, okay, the end result isn't bad. I think long term, it's the best outcome. But how the fuck did you get here? And everything in between (laughs) is very scary because I think that they were just toiling in the wind for a couple of weeks here, trying to do, and especially down the stretch leading into noon yesterday. And I think that at the 11th hour or close to it, they had to be like, okay, we can't unload JVR. So we got to call an audible here. And that's why people are pissed because it is so obvious that there's no clear cut direction. Yeah. And you know, like Sean messages in and he says, you know, the pick you used for D'Angelo could have been used to jump JVR to get Gaudreau. No, they couldn't have. You weren't going to get some team to take JVRs for a second round pick in this year's draft or, or a second yeah. round, you know, with the packages they gave up. The price for JVR's one year of $7 million contract became a 2023 first round pick. Because teams and knew. Probably not lottery protected, you know? So, no, that's not the case. You could look at some of D'Angelo's money that may have prevented it. Yes, absolutely. Um, Sean goes on to basically say that, uh, you know, what you gave up for D'Angelo two years at 10 million and Ristolainen five years at 25.5 and a seventh round pick for Hag and Ghosts, but in 14th overall pick in 21, blah, blah, blah. And he says, Hag and Ghost are basically the same as D'Angelo and Ristolainen. No, they're not. That's not true. It's not even close. That's Ghost, revisionist history. Yeah, that Ghost blows. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just I, he cannot defend. Is D'Angelo a good defender? No. Is he a better defender than Ghost? Yes. Sean, you are a better defender than Ghost. <laughs> basically, I've had people tell me when he's on the ice on the. You know, your side of the red line, defensive side of the red line, it's like playing a man down. That's how bad of it. He had a couple of years where he's, he was passable and, you know, net positive because he was so good offensively. But if he's not, and look, he had 51 points this year, but he was still a net negative player. You know, you look at Ghost this year was a minus player. Look, he was in Arizona and D'Angelo was in Carolina. Huge difference. I get it. One was a plus 30, one was a minus player, and each had 51 points. But anyway, I digress. Um, it's, it's, it's just a situation right now where everybody feels bait and switched. Everybody is, you know, when you, you get in trouble growing up, and if your dad was mad, it was one thing. But if your dad said, uh, I'm hurt, it was like, oh, shit. You like you felt really bad about it. like you do things to make your parents mad, but when your parents are disappointed, like they go, "I'm not mad, I'm disappointed." You're like, "Oh, that's a whole different level." Like I really screwed up here, and it makes you feel really like Flyer fans are are, are mad, but they're very disappointed and they're hurt and they're and they're wounded right now, and you're entitled to feel that way. I get it. I get it. Everybody wants to see this team move forward. We a lot of us have different ways for the team to move forward in different acceleration paths and all of those things. But the fact of the matter is this is that yesterday, you know, well, it you and I kind of agree it maybe is the best place to be for long term. Um, the way it took place, the way it came about, the modus operandi leaves fans really confused and, and angry and hurt and disappointed. And I, I'm not going to go on social media and argue with anybody about how they feel right now. I'm not. Nope. I, look, I, people are hitting me left and right. Like, oh, you ready to admit you were wrong about this? Look, I've been all along. I said it on Fires Daily on Wednesday's episode, the day of free agency. You got to be really careful of making a deal for a player in this situation. I've been on the record that way. We'll see. History will tell whether I'm right or I was wrong. I don't know. That's going to take some time. Uh, you know, one guy had tweeted me and said, uh, he basically said to me, uh, why did you have that guy on your podcast? I'm disappointed. Unfollowed. 
on Tony D'Angelo. I work for the team and the podcast Flyers Daily is their podcast. And I had him on the podcast and I enjoyed the conversation with Tony, frankly. And the, the, we attack some of the issues of his character and the things that he deals with both on the podcast. And I'd had a chance to talk to him even before we started taping about it. And, you know, the guy go, the guy goes, well, you know, you got no spine or something like that. <laughs> like I got a job to do and he's a newly acquired player. And <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to ask for the, I asked for the interview and I want to have him on. And I want to attack some of the issues that he's got to deal with and the shitstorm that comes along with him. I'm not just going to avoid it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like people are like, oh, you ready to admit you were wrong about this? There's some things. To, look, I'm never going to claim. I'm not one of those pricks that was on the radio that said, I'm never wrong. That I don't have that kind of hubris <laughs> because I'm wrong plenty. Plenty. And they're thing. Maybe I'm wrong about not wanting Gaudreau at this point with that contract and everything for a winger. Maybe I'm wrong about it. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, there's been other things that I have been grossly wrong about. And I do have a, I have opinions on everything. Some of them are I miss on. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my job, I'm not a reporter. I'm not a beat. I have opinions. Some of them are right. Some are wrong. My opinion right now is I got caught up in it too. And the way everything played out leaves me scratching this bald head. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I'm going, man, it's just, and, and like I said, anybody, any fan that is disappointed, angry, hurt, and all those things, you're entitled. Absolutely. You don't need me to tell you you're entitled, but you're entitled. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, and like, I think one thing that Chuck did say yesterday that again, this isn't an excuse because it's your job to you know get out of it, and it's you're the one who brought this guy in with that contract. But like, it seems like this Ellis, they're a prisoner to Ryan Ellis's contract right now. Y'all big time, again, because again, you don't know if he's going to be healthy. You have no idea because let's say if he was healthy, okay, and you knew he was going to be healthy. You're not bringing in Tony D'Angelo. You're probably bringing in like an Ilya Labushkin or or Justin Brock. Yeah. And then you have that additional, what is it, like $5 million to work with? And then you can maybe make some moves. And I think that, like, again, it's his fault. He brought in Ryan Elson. It's your job to get out of it. Like, for me, I'm more curious as to why trading Travis Konechny was never on the table that that we don't know that though we don't know that it wasn't we just haven't uh, heard that yeah like I I had asked about Travis Konechny they were adamant that they were not you know fielding offers for him how true is that who knows um but I mean I think that there should have been more of a way or like even like he should have been out there I'm sorry like I like Travis Konechny and I well, understand. Does it make sense that it make a hockey trade right now too? When you're gonna have a new coach and a new culture and all those things, does, does it make sense for Torts to get a look at some of these guys and then make that determinate? Like Morgan Frost, like, yeah. like he, Chuck even said it. Like, let me bring up the transcript. He was asked about this at the end of his media availability, because um, he, he was asked about it, and it was basically said like, "Hey, it, we got to find out who these guys are to find out if they're part of the future, or we got to move on from them." Um, Right at the end, it was right at the end of the press conference. I mentioned the passing a car high in talent. I'm just trying to find. It's going to be hard for me to find this specific thing, but um, but, but they do ab- need to find out what some of these guys are. But but you're absolutely right. Like, and that's why the end result I don't hate, and I think that's why I wasn't as angry as everyone else was yesterday, mm-hmm. is because I wasn't. I don't hate what happened. What I hate is that I don't think this is what they wanted to happen. Like he looked like Chuck Fletcher. I think one of his biggest saving graces over the last, how long has he been here? Two and a half years since he got hired. I think one of his best qualities and one thing that kept a lot of the, you know, the angry mob at bay was that whenever he held a press conference, he genuinely comes off as a really good guy. 
hockey aside, comes off as a really good dude. He came off like kind of a prick yesterday. Yeah, he got he was definitely agitated yesterday, no doubt about it. And look, um, like I think that yesterday he kind of showed his hands that shit isn't going the way he wants. And when you see someone that is it like let's take Ron Hextall, for example. Ron Hextall pissed off myself more times than I could imagine with the way he handled off seasons. But every time Ron Hextall went up to the podium, and I'm not defending Ron Hextall, so don't get that misconstrued because he's making no friends in Pittsburgh either, I can tell you that. He every time he went up to the podium, I said, like, this is exactly what Ron Hextall wants to do. He wants to be a boring-ass team that doesn't make additions and this and that. But this is what he wants to do. Chuck Fletcher went up there yesterday and, to me, said indirectly, like, I tried everything, but I'm in a corner right now and I can't get out. And because of that, this is what we did. Yeah. So you don't feel like the the plan, the pre-planning was executed and that's and that's alarming and i get it let's take on um two more comments real quick ash uh, texted in again and said when does it ever occur a local guy wants to come back to the philly area they should have been planning for it well it doesn't occur often because we don't put a ton of players high-end players into the nhl but um yeah as far as planning for it yeah i get what you're saying like they could have started this process earlier but but the price became to dump money you can't dump money in the middle of a season. You can't. It's not going to work. Like, that's not the time. The time to do it is around the draft and free agency. And because th- that's when teams are going to wait and go, okay, let me see how much I have to take on and what I can get for it. And when the price went up to a 2023 first, it's too much. Number one. Um, and again, Tavares goes to. The Leafs. Now, the Leafs are a really good team. I don't think they're ever going to win shit because I don't think that they ha- they got a huge blind spot for goaltending. You bring in Matt Murray and Simsonov, okay. Uh, but that being said, and then Sean said, will D'Angelo even work culture-wise here under Dortz? Well, did he work culture-wise in Carolina? They didn't want to get rid of him. They, I mean, you look at what in Carolina, he didn't have any issues. He's very well liked in the locker room. So... Look, as long as he has learned from his mistakes and keeps moving forward in this direction, then there's no issue. There's not a huge commitment there. It's two years, and you go from there. But, I look, I don't think that there'll be an issue culture-wise because of Torts and D'Angelo. I don't no. You know, uh, really. you just got to uh, wonder, it losing, though, what does that do? That's They didn't lose a lot in Carolina. Well, I mean, it just goes to show that, like, look, when they were winning in 2019, just as an example, when they were winning in 2019-20, everyone was, you know, beating the drum that Provorov was going to win a Norris one day. And then two seasons of losing, and obviously Provorov did himself no favors, but now people want to run him out of of town. Yeah. Like, winning cures a lot. A lot. Like, do people actually... (laughs) Like, do people actually think that... Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang are like pleasant people to deal with on a day-to-day basis. No. Like if Pittsburgh went through what the Flyers went through the last 10 years with those two guys, I could only imagine the drama that would have been coming out of Pittsburgh. But they're arguably the best team of the last 17 years. So who gives a damn? No one cares. You have a a top five player of all time also to cover up a lot of that with, with Crosby. And the same thing goes with D'Angelo and Carolina went last year. There was a lot of outrage when he signed there. And then all of a sudden he goes to Carolina, who was one of the league's best teams from the onset, playing on a top pair, one of the better pairings in the NHL with Jacob Slavin. He has an incredible year and everyone stops thinking about it. Now he comes to Philadelphia, which is a dumpster fire and will probably continue to be a dumpster fire this season. And it's not going to stop especially if he doesn't work gel well with Ivan Provorov. And look, to be honest, I think that the thought process of D'Angelo and Provorov isn't terrible because I do think that Provorov's ceiling is a Jacob Slavin. I think like that's kind of like Provorov's like top, top ceiling. I think he was playing at a Slavin level, if not maybe slightly better in 2019-20. So I don't hate that. 
The overall look of the defense right now to me is that like, can you have D'Angelo and Rasmus versus the line in the top four? Yeah, be- that's a, that's the thing. Because invariably one of them has to be on the top pairing of the right side. Yeah. And that's that's Scary. a dicey proposition. Yeah. Dicey. And- um, let's leave people with this. Keith uh, tweets in at Keith TV. He's watching the program and he says, it's not just about being hurt. It's that we don't trust the people at the helm to move things forward. So let's wrap it up on that. A lot of people do feel that exactly that way. And as always, great stuff. We'll be at it next week and uh, we'll see where things go from here. Thanks buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. There he is. Anthony DeMarco, not San Filippo. That's DeMarco from the fourth period.com. Great stuff from him as always. Read his work on the fourth period.com as well. And uh, give him a follow on Twitter and DeMarco 25 at Ant DeMarco 25. Um, let me tell you about, about bet parks. Once again, the new bet parks app is fantastic. It's awesome. It's great. It's easy to use. It's easy to navigate. It's easy to get your action in on all different things like player performances, same game parlays, live in game betting futures, uh, your traditional Money line, puck lines, run lines, whatever they are, it's easy to get your action in and faster to win than ever before. Make sure you download the app today and use the promo code Jason750 because when you do that, you're going to get a risk-free bet up to $750 just for using that promo code JASON750. Again, that's for new and existing users. Terms and conditions do apply. So make sure you download the app and Get in on the action. It's a slower time of year for sports betting. You still do have, obviously, the baseball season. You still do have tennis. You have major golf this weekend. You have all kinds of different things. Futures. You know, football's right around the corner, both college and pro. And before you know it, I mean, we're about, what, like 90 days away from the hockey season coming back. And probably about 105 days away from the hoop season coming back. So it's all around the corner. So get the new Bet Parks app today. And again, use promo code Jason750 and get that risk-free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions apply. You do need to be present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week. Another brand new episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day, everybody.